FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode... 303 of the podcast goes snicked. It's a bonus episode, the Infinity Warped Tour. <laughs> I'm your host, Jason Venable, and that's right, we're going to catch up on Infinity Wars and, you know, kind of the Infinity Warp uh, and some other kind of alternate reality type situations for October. And so, little bit of disclaimer. You're going to get three real quick episodes of various links. Links? Links? <laughs> That's the proper way to pronounce that word. Dan, what did the British say? Let me know. Um, anyway, um, I apologize. Uh, the, the schedule of the podcast has been pretty helter-skelter. You know, and I'm usually pretty regular. Like a, like a regular, you know, person. <laughs> Sorry, changing lots of diapers, mine is on the, the poop. And I uh, had some digestive issues with our toddler, so even more so mine on the but you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, I apologize for the irregular, irregularness, irregularity, that's the right word, of the show, especially in the month of October. Um, it's been very, very, very hectic here with lots of visitors and stuff going on and Honestly, no one's really sleeping around here right now. And so it's hard to hang, but so I've started some of these episodes um, kind of a couple of different times and just haven't really been able to get anything going or, or cohesive or, or to put anything together. So I'm going to put, I'm going to take a page from my friend John Wilson and uh, the All the Pouches an image comics podcast where uh, he does multiple releases um, at the same time. And so that's probably what you're going to see if everything goes according to plan. And so the first of these, these episodes will be the infinity warp tour. Like I said, uh, I'm going to talk about infinity wars and a couple other things. Um, so we're going to start off with infinity wars. Number four, this is number four out of six. If you're keeping score at home, um, this is written by Jerry Dugan, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo, and the cover by Diodato Jr. and Rain Moreno. Now, I got, because I'm looking at the signature. So there's a, co- a connecting Javier Garon cover that I picked up last time on number three. And there's also credited a Gerardo Sandoval cover. But the one I'm looking at is very distinctly signed by Ron Lim and Israel Silva. <laughs> so I'm going to give them credit for that because <laughs> I think it only makes sense. Um, and we have our Diamond Emma Wolverine warp and our Kamala Kang warp on the cover, uh, jumping at the camera in a nice action fight pose. Uh this was the cover I chose. The Diodato one was fine. I don't remember exactly what it looked like. I forget at this point. 
But um, I mean, it was fine. But this was the one that kind of jumped out at me, just like this. Uh, what are we gonna call? What, what, should we, what do we call this warp of Wolverine and Emma? Wolverima, maybe I don't know. That sounds lame, but I guess we'll go with it. Or Diamond Claws. <laughs> anyway, it's it's a nice cover. I actually like it quite a bit. And it's kind of, I mean, I guess Blonde Wolverine is not completely new because we have uh, Jimmy Hudson, who is also kind of already a Blonde Wolverine, wherever he ends up or whatever ends up happening to him. But um, yeah, this cover is uh, pretty nice. I like him in the in the white suit with the you know the 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 coloring is very subtle difference between diamond claws and just adamantium claws, but you can kind of tell at least if you know I guess you can tell and I like the white eye patch kind of like the way that they pull the patch into this this warp um and Kamala Kang is is kind of just a feminine Kang figure um but with the purple and green suit the purple lightning bolt. Uh, of Miss Marvel down the chest. It looks, looks pretty nice as well. So, pretty cool cover, gotta say. Okay, so we start off this issue. Um, remember last time, Loki, if you've been reading along, I don't think we've covered every issue, because they haven't all had Wolverine stuff going on, but last time, Loki went into Soul World where all the the people have been combined. That's what Gamora did. Instead of snapping and wiping out half the population, she snapped and halved the population by putting two people together. Um, an interesting concept, kind of a, a different take on the last time Thanos had the Infinity Stones together, and she's trying to be more uh, benevolent. And so in her mind, she's kind of doing the right thing, trying to get the soul Jim back to, to get herself restored and be whole and kind of get the heroes out of the way. So Loki needs to track down a telepath and he finds Diamond Tip Claude uh, Wolverine and uh, says, I need your help. And he's not really, he's she not really interested um, in helping right away. So they come in to the X mansion and have some, some wine, uh, and she read his mind, and it's it's a lot, a lot to take in. She said, "He," she says, um, "You know, it's wow. I mean, soul world, everyone combined together. There's a, a nemesis going to devour what's left of soul world." And Loki's like, "Yeah, I, like I said, it's, it's a lot." Um, and so they come to the revelation that then the Infinity Stones must also exist here. And so um, then we see the Soul Eater Spider has come to attack. So we get a snicked plaque. <laughs> That's a new sound effect. As she pops the diamond claws into this the Soul Spider. And um, Loki's going to fight as well. He starts carving it up. Um, yeah, and then right out of the books of Thor, Phoenix Wolverine shows up from the future and says, hey, I'm here to warn you guys. Um, but he says, but if Requiem, which is what Gamora is going by now, sees I have the Phoenix Force, it'll cause other problems. But hey, here is a rock. Oh, I know what to call it. Loki calls Emmerine. <laughs> so I guess that's what we'll go with. That's the official 
uh, verbiage for our, our Wolverine Emma Frost hybrid. Um, I, I like Diodato's art a lot. One thing I, that it kind of makes sense, right? Because the claws have to fit. There's almost too much like old beast. He just, he gives any version of Logan he draws just huge ass hands. Just these giant gorilla hands that I don't, don't necessarily appeal to me, but here he is holding his little wine glass. Um, as Phoenix Wolverine says, fine, I'll pull him apart, bub. And so he separates with the Phoenix power, Logan and Emma into two separate entities. And um, he's like, okay. All right. And then we see that Thor from the future is with Wolverine. And so that's interesting. But they pop back to their timeline and Logan. You know, it's funny because I like Gary Diggin or Jerry Diggin a lot. Um, and I believe he wrote the, uh, the Deadpool story that I like so much. Uh, the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, I think. Or was it a play on that? But with uh, Deadpool, Wolverine, and Captain America, which we covered ages ago on the podcast. Really liked his Wolverine then. In this book, um, his Wolverine is kind of just comic relief. He, like, tosses the wine glass aside. He's like, there better be suds in the house. And starts going to look for beer. Um, Loki picks up the uh, the Power Stone. But Emma's like, no, thanks. Uh, I'll take this. Um, and Loki's like, well... We need to get somebody else. And she's like, okay. And so Logan goes to the fridge. He's like, all right, well, let me get a beer and I'll join you guys. And a, uh, another soul spider jumps out of the fridge. <laughs> and we get a snicked as he says, you killed my beer. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, you know, he also made a line earlier when they separated that uh, champagne is just fancy piss. And Emma kind of scoffs at him. So, yeah, so there's that going on. So he tries to fight the, the death spider, the soul spider. But Loki's like, you know what? I got the half of this combo I came for, so we'll let him deal with that while he's looking for his beer. And um, we're going to go find some other people to team up with. Which kind of interesting. I know Loki, Loki, Loki bear. Um, I know that Loki doesn't have a lot of respect for Logan. Um, we've seen that in kind of in past encounters. Um, but you think in this situation, kind of all hands on deck, that in whatever you feel about Logan, you got to know he's formidable. So it seems weird that he's just like, yeah, leave him here. Yeah, he'll be fine. We don't need him. We got other people we need. And so they go, they go riding on the motorbike. Emma stops the guy. He's like, hey, I need your motorcycle. And he's like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, because she's a telepath. So he agrees. They ride off on the motorcycle. Um, they go to dead Asgard. Or no, sorry. There's another universe with the, with the dying Asgard and Requiem slash Gamora is killing another Loki. Um, and she also sees um, this other person, Philavel. And Moon Dragon, I don't know who I know who Moon Dragon is. This is an alternate version. Vilevel, I don't know if that's some kind of combination of this Marvel. It's definitely a Cree entity for sure. 
Um, and they're lovers, but Moonstone's like, all right, I'll make you a deal. And Philo Bell's like, no, you can't. You betrayed us. And turns out she doesn't really. She's just trying to trick her. Uh, I guess this moon dragon has an actual dragon. Is that a thing? I don't know. If Al's listening, he can tell me. Um, they have kind of a, a little battle. It doesn't go well for them, obviously. But I think these characters are going to be in the new Guardians of the Galaxy. I think this is one of those event segues. So I think they're going to survive as they crash through the Rainbow Bridge, uh, which is, by the way, a spectacular visual. Um, they're kind of falling away from Gamora with the drag, actual, the actual dragon with Moon Dragon and this this Kree woman, um, and they're falling towards the Rainbow Bridge and they they break through it as and shatter it and it just it looks great, great, great art. Um, but they're in a different universe. But then we find that Emma and Loki have found Kamala Kang, and Emma can see right, and and not only can she see, but she can show. Kamala Kang that she's two different people Kang and Miss Marvel and with the power stone and Loki's magic and Emma's psychic powers they're able to replicate what the Phoenix Force had done and separate them out um, which of course makes it rain literally which Diodato does cool rain so nothing to complain about there um, is Emma ha- oh no I guess she's in the stone I think she doesn't have telekinesis, but she makes like a rainbow, like a thought bubble umbrella uh, to protect them from the rain. Ella, Ella, eh, eh. Um, so they go and they find Tiny Hulk, which I think is hilarious. Um, and it's Bruce Banner and, and Hank Pym, I think, or is it Scott Lang in this occasion? Um... I'm not sure. But anyway, Ant-Man and Hulk together. Um, and so it's Tiny Hulk. And they, they find him. And there's a really funny scene in them all, like, standing in a circle, bending over with their hands on their knees, looking at Tiny Hulk. He jumps up and whomps Loki in the face. And then Emma grabs him. And they separate him. And But it's just Bruce. And Loki's like, no, 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 no. And Emma's like, no, ciao, Bruce. We need the other guy. And we get full-size Hulk. And he says, whatever this is, I already ate it. <laughs> um, and so Loki kind of reveals what's really going on. He's handpicked these people to be a new Infinity Watch. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six folks who he says are uniquely suited to wield an Infinity Stone when the time is right. And um, Kamala's like, well, I, I don't. I don't really want to get involved in the Infinity Stones. That's not only out of my league, but it seems to kind of do bad things to people, maybe taint them, and I don't want to be tainted that way. Um, but they're looking for the... Oh, I guess Loki's not counting himself as one of the six because they have one more member, and it's Adam Warlock, and they see him being eaten by this soul creature, and Miss Marvel's like, oh, it's gross. <laughs> And uh, we get classic, um, classic, I guess, trope where, because Ant-Man flies in and gets eaten by the thing, and they're like, oh, you know what's going to happen. So he grows, and he shrinks down, jumps in the thing's mouth, 
and then but then grows and busts out of its stomach. Um, he's like, oh, horrible, so horrible. It's gross. Um, and then Adam Warlock's like, all right, well, let's go. And so they're going to go take the fight to Requiem, and then Emma sends out a psychic call to all of the various Infinity Warps, including our weapon Hex down here in the bottom corner. Um, so we have... I don't actually know who this... Oh, it's that Moon Girl and Squirrel Girl together. And then um, the Arachnite, which is Spider-Man and Moon Knight. The first issue of that came out. It was all right. Um, Captain America and Doctor Strange, which has been by far the best of these Infinity Warps uh, miniseries. Uh, that one's actually quite good and really ties into the story. Um, there's something with Johnny Storm and somebody else I don't remember... And then there's another one with Ben Grimm and Johnny's because he's on fire. So is Johnny twice? That's not quite right. I'm not sure what's going on there. Then we have a red rabbit. I have no idea what that's going on there. Um, man thing and somebody with pointy ears. <laughs> um, we have She-Hulk and somebody else. I forget which one that is. Uh, I think there's a visual cue in the in the hair buns, but I don't remember which one it is. I forget. Um, we have the Ghost Panther, which looks cool. Iron Hammer, which is okay, and the Weapon Hex, which we'll actually talk about in a minute. So anyway, but Emma's calling all them together. She says, to me, my heroes, we need more heroes. Um, and we see... The various heroes responding as they're fighting these these soul spiders. Uh, we see Drax with somebody else. I guess just, it kind of seems to be bonding with a normal person, but he's playing his, his saxophone in a band. But in the mirror, he's Drax. Um, and then Gamora goes like to the edge of of nothingness with infinite power, and she's like, "This doesn't seem right." Uh, she's still talking to imaginary Thanos, which she doesn't care for. And then she sees a bunch of weird watchers. And they're like, okay, well, this must be important. All right, so art, pretty good. Um, you know, Diodano and Martin make a great team. Uh, his colors are always great, and it really works well in this book. Um the story's pretty good, too. Um, I'm enjoying the story overall. Uh, some of the warps are, I don't know, I'm going to take them or leave them, I guess. But uh, as far as playing into the overall story, it's actually pretty, pretty fun. I'm going to give um, Infinity Wars number four, five out of six claws. So now we kind of sidebar into one of these miniseries uh, in the Infinity Warps. Uh, with Weapon Hex number one, which is, of course, Weapon X and Magic. Uh, it's a Laura and Scarlet Witch, so X-23 Scarlet Witch combo. Um, this is written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, which just seems too coincidental <laughs> to be two different people working together. But whatever. Um, penciled by Gerardo Sandoval. Inks by Victor Nava and Gerardo Sandoval. Colors by Israel Silva. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, 
The cover is by Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. I did not really care for that cover, so I got the variant by Adam Hubert and Maury Hollowell, which is Weapon Hex jumping with like magic fireworks all around her. Um, it's a pretty cool cover. I like Adam Hubert a lot, but and this one doesn't. It's not great, I don't guess, but it's it's fine. Not bad. Um, yeah, so we go to Mount Wondegore. Uh, we have a cross between the High Evolutionary and somebody else, and then a cross between Laura's mom, uh, uh, Miss Kenny, and somebody else. And they've been, you know, sacrificing people to try to get, uh, what do they call him? McFicton, which is Mephisto and somebody else. Um, but of course, it keeps failing. And they decide, you know what we need to do? We need better specimens. So they're going to impregnate um, Miss Kenny. Uh, so the cow lady helps out. We have a cross between Sabretooth and Magic, which is interesting. But yeah, but she, she gets pregnant with the new vessel. And they're going to grow up. They can hopefully, you know, actually receive the form of a ficton and, you know, usher in the age of dark evil magic, whatever. Um, obviously, things go a little awry in that what happens kind of usually for most normal <laughs> mentally balanced people when you're pregnant is that you get really attached to the baby. So Miss Kinney, Dr. Kinney, kind of stops thinking of this as just a test host subject and actually her daughter, which kind of comes to a riff because the, uh, the high evolutionary archetype always refers to Laura as an it where in the vessel, whereas Dr. Kinney always refers to it as her and my daughter. Um, so very, very different thing going on there. It's awesome, though, because after the baby's born, we get a little baby snicked with a C instead of a K. It's uh, it's pretty great. Maybe a snicked of the year. I don't know. Um, but it says 18 years to M day. And so 16 years, so the baby's two years old, has red hair. Um, magic Sabretooth is, is watching her, uh, playing with her mom. Uh, time to train. So they, they rip the baby away from her Spider-Man doll and make her fight some cobras, which she uh, cuts up, and which comes with the line, Laura, honey, don't put snake guts in your mouth. And then, you know, some more time passes, and they've come up with a spell, and the spell is Hex Marks the Spot, which is, the magical version of kind of X-23's trigger set. So it's kind of a lot of similarities, right? And so she slaughters the pig butler. She has an awesome McFarlane-esque Venom t-shirt on during the scene. It's really pretty great. Um, so the parents, quote-unquote parents, again argue over whether it's a her or an it after she uh, successfully eliminates the target so some more time passes. We're eight years to M day. Um, she's training with Saber Mag Magic Tooth. Magic Tooth. There you go. That's the right word for her. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, Magic Tooth calls it a runt, which is nice and fun. Um, and they're they're training together. She's teaching Little Weapon Hex how to kill. Um, oh, they call her Hellhound. I like Magic Tooth better. Magic Tooth. Um, but uh, Dr. Kenny's like, hey, she's not really your friend. And one's like, I know, she's my enemy. <laughs> but, um, so Dr. Kenny takes a blood sample and hands it to... Dracula cow lady and says I want you to save this just in case so we get one year to M day and magic tooth or hellhound I guess and weapon hex are training some more there's a hexen effect which is basically like magic added to her claws um and everyone's impressed with that but uh as Hellhound heals, you know, there's definitely mounting tension. Um, and we meet these uh, defenders, which has a cross between, well, the, only, the notable one is Elsa Bloodstone and Misty Knight, kind of combined together. And she has the monsters, and they're trying to take, get rid of the evil of Mount Wondegore, but obviously. Weapon Hex has to protect her home. So she fights. <laughs> Maybe the highlight of the book is there's this, her healing factor is called Hexual Healing. <laughs> she also has a Hex Potion, which she can use with her claws. So her claws, she, she does spells through her claws, which is pretty interesting. Um, yes, we'll get to that in a second. But um, So she can stab like at the person and it really like, expo- exp- expels them. So Hexpulsion uh, shoots them away. And they go back home. Things are not going well. Dr. Kenny tries to talk to Laura and says, hey, there's there's more to you than this. But obviously the, the other doctor's having nothing of it, Daddy Doctor. Um, then we meet some more guys. We have a Magic Punisher guy. Um, he has a sigil that they want to get. Um, he's a cross between Hellstrom and the Punisher, but he has like a, a magic skull, and they need it for for the spell. Um, there's a cross between Storm and uh, Cloak, and Dagger and somebody, and then there's a guy on a horse. I don't remember. They probably explain all this, but I don't remember it all. Um. So yeah, um. They they take them out. Everything's going pretty well. They cut the magic skull off of the shirt. They're going to get it. Uh, Laura's about to go in for the kill, but she hesitates, so Hellhound finishes them. And now it's time. It's time for the ritual. And uh, Dr. Kenny is having some second thoughts. And so just like X-23 was used to kill her own mom when she had second thoughts, or her... Well, yeah, now we can say her own mom, for sure. Um, Then, just like that, Hex marks the spot, appears around Dr. Kinney, and Laura brutally murders her, and then lays down and cries, and says, um, I'm sorry, and she says, it's okay, I love you, take care of your sister. And she's like, what sister? And we meet Gavril. 
who is Speed Weasel, who's uh, going to be a cross between Gabby and Quicksilver. And so we know that the, the blood that Dr. Kennedy took out, um, they cloned into a little Quicksilver Gabby person. And that's where we end the story. And the art was pretty good. Uh, Sandoval, you're either going to really like him or not so much. I I kind of fall in the middle. I think some of his 90s throwback stuff works really well. And some of it not as much. But overall, I thought the art was, was pretty nice. Um, the story, you know what? It's weird. Because when I first read it, I didn't really care for it. Talking through it, and only kind of picking out some of the fun stuff, I liked it more. Um, gosh, I'm going to give it... I mean, there's there's so many parallels between, like, Laura's original, like her X-23 origin, but then throwing in the kind of Scarlet Witch magic stuff was really, at least for now, unless I missed something... Really, the only thing that has to do with Scarlet Witch is the actual magic in the spells. Um, everything else is kind of just Laura. Um, I mean, obviously, the setting, Mount Wondegore, and the you know the high evolutionary type origins um, lend itself to, to Scarlet Witch and, and Quicksilver. But um, yeah, you know, overall, I would say this is. Between a three and a four, I'm probably going to go three out of six claws. Um, it's worth reading, but maybe not awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we'll see what the second one does, I guess. But yeah, that's that's what we get. So next up, uh, we have the continuation of our, speaking of uh, Phoenix Wolverine, he's again in Thor number six. Midgard's Final Doom, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Christian Ward, letters and production by VCs Josephino. Uh, we'll point out the logo is by, and our cover is by Isad Ribic, and this is a great cover. Um, and his Kirby creatures flanking into the world, Doctor Doom, and in the foreground we have Old Man Thor and Phoenix Wolverine ready to try to save the earth and do their best. Um, so remember, this is a future story. One of our, our old Jason Aaron does. Um, and so at the end of time, he was fighting Wolverine Phoenix and then Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, kind of the ultimate human shows up and he wants it all for himself. He wants to be as Dr. Doom tends to do. Um, and he's going to fight. But Phoenix, Wolverine, and Thor are not giving up. And they're going to fight some more. Um, yeah, the art. Man, the art is the, the highlight of this book for sure. Um, so Doom and his monsters are, are going to try to take over Midgard. But... Uh, Phoenix, Wolverine, and Thor show up. We have an interlude of the Necroplanet Ego. Get, get an awesome panel of just this great art of the fight between Doctor Doom, Wolverine, um, just going to town. Um, Phoenix, Wolverine tries to cut up Doctor Doom, but he can 
put him out somehow. He like distinguishes him. Um, it was a really cool visual. And then he puts Thor in some Cinderac and uh, starts to destroy the world. Um, and then old man, no, right, Skeleton Phoenix Thor shows back up and tries to fight some more. And some pretty cool little panels there. And um, from Doom and help Thor is to imbue himself in Thor's hammer. And so in a really awesome panel, that's pretty much what he does. He kind of infuses the Phoenix power into Mjolnir. Thor picks it up and says he'll remember his friend. And he's got this just kick-ass Phoenix hammer and gets some Phoenix flame around him and just kicks butt and they kind of fall into a volcano. And it says that the earth goes on, but it always rumbles. And these guys fight in the center of the earth for like ever. Um, and then one day, many years later, the volcano erupts. Doom's mask is in the lava. Naked old man Thor pulls out of the lava crater and the world stops shaking. But we see that the Phoenix Force has, of course, found a new redhead to take over. But the world goes on and they're like, oh, it's awfully still. Um, and we go back to our interlude and... This worm that's been fighting the Necro world is Loki the Necro God, Loki the All Butcher, Loki the End. So we know we're going to go back to our present day time, and this will pick back up later. Um, the art is amazing. And the story is pretty good, too. Um, a little bit stronger than issue number five, I thought, just as far as less kind of, hey, look what I've done, and more, look what I'm doing, um, on Jason Aaron's part, and maybe that's unfair, it's just kind of how it seemed to me, talked about that last time with issue five, this seemed to be more of an actual, like, story propelling forward, so, I'm gonna give it, oh, man, um, there's, there's cool stuff going on here, uh, we'll do, uh, See, there are really strong four out of six claws or five out of six. I think I like the art enough. I'm going to go five out of six claws. Okay, so while we're talking about these Infinity Warps, this is not really the same thing, but I feel like it fits because it's kind of an alternate story, right? I'm going to do a catch-up on Exiles number nine. We have so many comics to talk about with Dan and Georgie next time, and they'll be talking about this in depth on their Excaliburus podcast, and I'm going to kind of do it here so I can do it still pretty quickly, but maybe spend just a hair more time on it than I would there. Um, so this is Exiles number nine, um, written by Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez. Um, oh, no, sorry. Yeah, I guess they kind of must co-write it together, or they get they get storytelling credit together. Uh, Rodriguez definitely does the art. Uh, Inked by Alvaro Lopez. Colors by Musta Vicente. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover is by David Nakayama. It's a pretty nice cover. It's blink and some eastern garb on a flying carpet with little Wolvie uh, hanging on to the carpet for dear life in the back. <laughs> it's a pretty great cover. So we wake up in Aladdin land, and not only are we in, like, in an Aladdin-type alternate universe, but the people actually think that Blink 
is physically Aladdin, like little boy Aladdin. Very confusing kind of at first here. So she runs out into medieval Baghdad, sort of, it says. Um, she's running around trying to find her other exiles. She meets the Doctor Strange analog. Um, and takes her out into the desert. Finds the, the lamp. They rub the lamp and Iron Lad comes out. And he's like, this is weird. Um, the Doctor Strange analog is like, hey, I wanted the lamp's power for me. What are you doing? But, you know, they want, want to get away. And then, But there's a giant rhino, which is awesome looking, like a four-armed rhino. Um, then Valkyrie and Becky Barnes are together. She's still grieving over the loss of her horse, but finds comfort in Becky, or is starting to. Um, then we see Captain Carter fighting a really visually interesting looking um, black cat analog. He's kind of in charge of the 40 thieves. Um, when Becky and Valkyrie show up, help turn the tide. Um, they do some more fighting. Then we find out that uh, Black Panther uh, and Luna Wolvie are together. And they're going to be on the ship. They're the captain of the ship. So he's kind of like uh, Captain Sinbad. Um, and then go to an island and fight some actual cyclopses with visors. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, there's a sea creature. Uh, Javier Rodriguez does another great panel where people move through the panel. When they start one place and you see them move. So uh, another definitely the highlight again is Little Wolvie. This time with his interaction with the uh, Black Panther or King. Um, as they kind of travel across this, uh, this sea creature. Um, Blink and Iron Lad fight the rhino still. There's a great word stuff that happens there, uh, like with the blink sound effect and the crunch sound effect. And they all eventually reunite in the desert on the island, and or on the desert island, I guess, <laughs> more appropriately. Um, Blink, Nate, my besties are back, Wolvie says. Um, oh, there's a great part where Black Panther and King, uh, Wolvie saves his life, and he's like, you saved me from drowning. I owe you my life, my friend. And little Wolvie's like, how can you owe someone a life? That's silly. You can owe me ice cream if you want. It's <laughs> just adorable. Um, so happy reunion. But then they see that um, TJ is kind of like a, I guess, a dancer. I mean, they find out they're not really necessarily an alternate world, or they are, but they're also in a, like, they're actually in a story, like a physical story. And the story belongs to Caliph Doom. We get a full-page splash at the end of the book that looks amazing. So amazing art. Uh, all the Aladdin stuff is fun. I wouldn't say it's just super compelling. It's more about kind of the little character interactions. Um, the art's amazing, though. Um, this is another one, just like kind of like Weapon Hex that I enjoyed. I know I didn't spend a lot of time on it just now, but kind of talking about it made me... I actually liked it more reading it the second time and talking about it again than I did reading it the first time, which Georgie will be probably feel very validated because he always says that you want to read this book more than once. And it's definitely true in this case that I, I got more out of it the second read-through. 
Um, there's so much going on with the art. It's so good. You know what? I'm going to give this book the benefit of the doubt because I love the creative team so much. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. Maybe I'm just tired. I don't know. But it's 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 on the fence between a four and five, but I'll go five out of six claws, which meant I was super generous this episode. I was like five. I bumped a book up to I think three fives and a three, all of which kind of moved up from when I originally read them. So there you go. Blame it on the uh, lack of sweep and copious amounts of Dr. Pepper it takes to even try to attempt to read comics and podcasts right now. But anyway, that is our Infinity Warps episode. Uh, the Infinity Warp Tour brought to you by my vans that I wear. <laughs> How's that for sponsorship? <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will have another couple episodes right around the same time. It's just, if not, at exactly the same time. So check them out. That's going to do it for this one, though. So obviously, as always, uh, not obviously, as always, for the podcast that goes snicked, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast, and that's going to do it. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye and snacked.